5-0. Two years in the books, and our 50th episode is now. I want to first take a pause in gratitude for all of you beautiful, bountiful souls who are thirsting to grow and flourish as I have and as I am. We are all on this journey together, and I am so, so thankful to be sharing mine with you. Now, in this episode, we finally address one of our most asked about, the raising of children within the philosophy of overall energetic wellness. Now, if you are someone like myself who doesn't have kids, this episode can still be for you. As Alexander mentions many a time, children and our emotions are almost one and the same, and the management of them is very similar. Replace children with emotions, and you have yourself some new perspective. In preparation for this episode, I reached out to a few listeners that are parents and was able to compile a list of subjects that should generate at least two more episodes. So if a topic isn't addressed here, sit tight for our next edition or hit me up on our Facebook page, group, or my email, which is aaron at wise-wise.com, and I'll be sure to add it to our list. Now, with this being our 50th episode and our two-year anniversary, discussing how to support us so that we can have 50 more and beyond is ever so imperative to the expansion of this information. If you gained a new perspective from listening, please, please feel empowered to share it with others who would be open to entertaining a new way of looking at life. And if you feel compelled to support us further, we do have a site where you can donate monetarily for $5 a month, and in exchange, you receive our overwhelming gratitude and access to our entire catalog of behind-the-scenes content. And, 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 every donator gets a shout-out on one of our episodes. I'm eager to speak the sweet vibrations of your name, so now let's make it happen. Now you can do this by going to wise-wise.com slash P-A-T-R-E-O-N for our patron page, and that is where you can make that monetary donation. So as always, I and Alexander are in so much gratitude for you and your friends tuning in to you. So now, for the 50th time, let's journey. With Aaron and Alexander. Uncovering our authentic self through self awareness, conscious communication, and emotional responsibility. So this is our 50th episode. 50 that, episodes. that encompasses two years and not including the, the year that we actually spend you know, working on working our chemistry together. together. So 
Of course, we are recording this in 2019, and this episode won't be released until 2020, but I really feel 2020 is going to be a big year for Wise Wise, Alexander, and myself Mm -hmm. as this philosophy continues to spread throughout the world. So in celebration of our 50th episode, we felt it would be awesome if we finally, (laughs) finally touched upon children, parenting, all of that within the perspective of overall energetic wellness. So Alexander, so to dive in deep into this subject, there's so much to talk about here. And I think we, we already have enough content to at least, you know, have three episodes. Right. <laughs> so first I wanted to, to get your view on the overall perspective of parenting for someone who wants to incorporate an overall energetic wellness into the children's life and also within uh, their sanity mm-hmm. uh, while, while being a parent. Well, uh, first of all, I want to tip my hats to um, all the parents out there. Uh, I appreciate everything that you do. It is a huge responsibility. And in our culture is um, one that just uh, supports the go-go lifestyle. And so many parents are really strapped with time and uh, that creates stress. And, you know, I feel like a very important part of uh, raising children is consistency and um, inconsistency is what really creates um, poor patterns for uh, young adults that carries on into you know throughout their lives and the majority of the issues that I feel that people have as adults are normally the majority set in place or in action before the age of seven years old So the environment that the child came into is very important for the parent to consider. Was the environment with the mother and father stressful at the time of um, the baby being born and the first few years especially? Because children absorb more energy than most people realize. And then up to seven years old, they really don't have like the categories to put everything that they experience in. So they just, they learn how to shut certain things down. Um, like if they're, if a child has a dominant parent, they will learn to block out certain frequencies of that parent's voice out of survival. And then that can hinder them in communicating with males of a similar tone throughout their whole lives and not realize that. So, You know, how we teach energy isn't really through words. It is through example. And so what I would like to suggest to most parents is to utilize your child as a way to develop yourself and understand that the emotions that you are dealing with are carrying on through your family, mostly from your family lineage. They can be managed very similar to the child. And if the child is doing something to irritate you, if you will go inward and really question whether that is something that should bother you. Um, say it's like the your child doing something like um, <clears throat> tapping on a counter with a pen and just something that's constant that like you may would normally just yell at them to stop. But more than likely, the kid's not even realizing that they're doing it. And if in that moment of irritation, you could take the time rather than saying anything to the child and say, why is that irritating me? 
Am I stressed? Am I hungry? Am I tired? If see if any of those are the answers yes, then possibly the reason this child is doing that is to remind you that you need to eat. You need to go take a nap. You need to let go of some stress. Because what I've proven hundreds of times, if not more, and with uh, very many clients, is that when you get to the point to where that action doesn't bother you, the other person stops doing that action around you. If you take on this view that everybody is your teacher and every situation has something to teach you, then turning the energy inside can unveil something that is a very useful message. Or you can just kind of shoot the messenger, as they say. And most parents will just dominate the child and uh, shut them down, uh, send them off, and not get anything for themselves. You know, and I do want to say, all parents, you know, be compassionate with yourselves. Don't beat yourselves up. It is challenging to to work full-time jobs and take care of kids and make the house payments and pay for all the bills and take care of family, and it's, it is a lot. So, you know, work with the way that you see that you want to live your life, but realize that anything that you take, anything that you misdirect, the kids are the ones that normally absorb that. And so most everyone gets stressed. Most everyone carries you know, uh, situations where they don't eat properly or they don't get enough rest, but we can do better today. We can do better tomorrow. And we can realize that when we take the focus off the children, why are they irritating us and turn that, make that a wise why, turn it inside and say, why am I allowing that to irritate me? And then work with lessening the irritation. And see, you're working with energy. And when the kid stops doing that, you can practice this, you know, multiple times. And when you get, you start to see results with this, then in ex- through example, you can explain it to the child. And you can say, do you remember when you were tapping your pen? And they might say, yeah. Do you know why you stopped? Well, no. Well, see, when you were tapping it, it was really irritating me and bothering me. But then when I got to a point of acceptance, when I got to a point of gratitude of basically if this is the biggest thing that I have to deal with today, then I'm doing really good. And I've gone through a lot of death and a lot of loss in my life, and I utilize that. I say nothing teaches us how to live more than death. So when that irritation is there with anyone that you care about at all, if you just consider What if they weren't there to tap that pen? That's an instant annihilation of aggravation. It's when you get into gratitude for that person being there to create that irritation. So whether you're looking at it from a uh, self-development standpoint or to remind yourself to stay in gratitude, it's multiple ways to approach it, and those are just a couple. And before we jump into uh, some of the various subjects that we can apply to children, I did want to bring in uh, something we discussed in a previous recent episode, which was about the six priorities of relationships 
in which we were able to list out how we would wish to prioritize our energy within our relationships and even within our own lives. And one thing that you brought up was about uh, whether parents would put their spouse above or below their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is a um, one that there's, once again, not necessarily a right or wrong answer. Um, what I have experienced myself is that uh, if you always show a strength with your partner, the children will fall in line. Similarly, if the children are able to see a division in the parents, they will learn to use that division. So as it suggested in the in an airplane, it says, please put on your mask before putting a mask on to your child. This is very similar. You know, do you keep your relationship with your significant other? Do you put the mask on that before putting the mask on the child? Because it's whether you want to build um, a true team, which I'm a fan of myself, and that takes development and willing to work with each other and to set a consistent type of discipline, whether the uh, no matter which guardian or parent uh, issues the discipline. And then in other uh, points of view, you know, the parents may have very different ways of approaching the discipline. So in this example that I'm giving and discussing, it is with a couple that wants to work as a team and create a consistency and a unity. And that begins to be visualized through if a child comes to ask one parent or guardian a question, then the the first answer is, well, let me talk to blah, 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 your mother, your father, your whatever the partner is, um, so that the child gets used to no matter who they go to, they're going to get a joint decision. And it's really not that important that it's always discussed between both parties because it can't always be. But People may be busy at work, that kind of thing. But it's important for at least the intention to be set and the child to hear that consistency so that they don't get in their mind that they can use one against the other. Um, so that is one example of how to consider your partner before the child and that is a very quick in-between. Um, so so think about it, like I said, with the airbags dropping from an airplane. And it is wise to put your mask on before trying to help someone else. But you givers out there, you may habitually go to help someone else and put yourself in a very uh, compromised position. And sometimes spouses will put their relationship in a very compromised position by a reaction that they do towards the child. Yeah, in my perspective, of course, I don't have children, so I can't say this from an experience, but but I would want that type of relationship where my partner was there and we, were, we would support each other and feed each other energetically to be able to handle the children consistently. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that, you know, I think that's what something around that is what most uh, people hope for. But I think it just takes uh, normally more work than most couples are willing to put in. And there is a lot of um, 
alternating positions and working with uh, each other's inputs. So communication, it breaks down to communication. And, um, of course, that's what the majority of all of this work is about, to really uh, help uh, clean up uh, communication between any two people or a group. All right, so you've mentioned the, the term consistency several times so far. I wanted to first bring in the importance of, of structure and boundaries. We hear it all the time, children crave structure. So I wanted to bring in, like, how do parents create this consistent structure, but also it has to do with boundaries? And maybe some examples would be, like, around uh, bedtimes or, like, time limits within, like, certain pieces of entertainment or thing, mm-hmm. things along those lines. Okay, well, we'll start with like uh, areas where uh, kids show resistance. And I think bedtime is something good with that. And I like to suggest to parents that I work with in my private practice to exemplify to their kids what they're trying to tell them to do at some point in time. It's, it's a type of, um, and giving an example is a type of training. So from time to time, the parent can maybe have the conversation with the child that uh, I don't always get to do what I want to do. Um, Today at work, I wanted to get up and I wanted to go to a restaurant um, to get a nice meal, but I didn't have enough time, so I just had to eat a sandwich. But you know what? I'm grateful for this sandwich. And so now I know you may not want to go to bed, but, you know, it's good for you. And I love you, and I. it's my responsibility to teach you to do things that's good for you. And so we've got to help each other out, right? And I feel like involving the children in an example that you're doing in yourself, see, what that does is it charges the energy field of communication. If you just consider from my concept that conscious communication is 75% energy transference and 25% words, but we flip-flop that and put so much emphasis on the words rather than the intention or the energy. But when a parent is trying to describe something to their child, if they revisit something that they have actually experienced, then they're tapping into a feeling, a sensation, a, a it's igniting every cell in the body because that's been an experience. Then the likelihood of, of conveying that, this is why storytelling is so useful because you're activating the experience while explaining it verbally to the child, and they will receive it so much more deeply. But I think it's important for parents to be willing to be vulnerable and see that vulnerability is another type of strength um, rather than trying to hide any weaknesses so that you just look like this you know, insurmountable object or unattainable object. So would you apply the same type of philosophy to uh, things like like which video games they can play and which they can't, things like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, like when I was raising my uh, two sons uh, in their early teens, they really got into, uh, I guess you would call it gangster rap. And, you know, rather than regulating what they could and couldn't listen to, I would just get involved and I would ask them to... Uh, play me a song or I would wait till I heard a song through the door that had like vulgar language and um, questionable material. And I would just knock and enter the room and then say, hey, do you mind if we dissect the song? 
And they would say, what do you mean? I say, I just want to sit down and like play some of it. And then you tell me what that means to you. And so that we discuss like what you are impermeating your mind with both consciously and subconsciously. And, and so we would start like listening to it and they would typically agree. And we would listen to about a minute and then I would pause it and I would say, okay, they're saying, you know, uh, B this, H that, you know, C this, you know, all types of negative connotations toward women, toward money, that type of thing. And I would say, how does that make you feel? And then they would say, well, we don't pay attention to the words. We're just about the groove. And I said, but the unfortunate thing is I'm a sound and vibrational therapist. So I understand that those frequencies are going somewhere and you are like an antenna and you are absorbing those messages maybe not consciously, but subconsciously, and they do affect your decisions and your visions down the road. So I think it's cool that you're just focusing on the beat and that you can separate that, but pay attention to the subconscious level. And, you know, this was around when they were 10 or 12. They weren't uh, really necessarily completely old enough to understand that, but I would consistently do that. I wouldn't make a big deal about it. They may not listen to it again for a month or it might be three months down the road and I hear it again and I might just walk in again and just say, hey, let's, uh, you know, tell me what what vibe it's putting out. Basically, it's just bringing it to their attention. But if you show resistance, then it creates intrigue. It creates uh, almost all kids want to rebel against their parents. So my suggestion is give them an opportunity to explain And many times when they're just put in that position, it can be very rewarding and they can feel uh, like they're being seen uh, respectively. Or they can, when they start trying to explain it, they realize how stupid it is and they lose interest. But I want to really, you know, suggest don't look for the answers right away, but look, put your time in, do something consistently so that it sinks in because that's what sinks into the subconscious is whatever is going on consistently in the background. So that's why I don't look for results right away. Plant your seed, let it germinate, and continue to go back to the garden and weed that that plant and help it to grow. And we do that through repetition. Repetition, reminding the children of an issue without negative emotions. It's just a reminder. It's just a reminder. And we are habitual creatures. So being willing to remind a child multiple times is very useful in realizing that the more that you carry the vibration of whatever you are trying to teach through your own experience, this means practice what you preach. If you are not getting through to your child and something you are trying to get them to do, Get off of the specifics and look at the general. Is it an authority issue? Do they seem to have an issue with authority? Then look at yourself or look at your partner or somebody else in the household and say, who here is giving off this vibration? Because if you change it in the bigger people, so to say, it does adjust the so-called smaller people. So work with yourselves more than you are attempting to work with your children. How important do you think in the perspective of overall energetic wellness are boundaries and structure for children versus the juggling of trying to foster their ability for their own personal freedom. Well, once again, we'll be delicate here because there's many different um, perceptions and opinions about that. 
myself, you know, works off of um, astrological content. It really helps with our human design uh, readings and destiny card system, Egyptian numerology. Uh, that really helps to hone in on what the specific child is really going to relish in. And that's what I'm the highest fan for is not necessarily what you want for your child, but uh, how your child was designed to operate optimally. And I find that when we work with children to their so-called designs or how they just naturally are, then those people have the freedom later on in life to expand and go in many different directions because they're clear and they know who they are and they feel supported through their life. You know, I happen to experience the exact opposite of that. And so now I happen to be at a time of my life of truly returning back to where I was before seven years old and, you know, sharing with people that at the age of 45, all of your astrological makeup completely repeats the same as when you were born. So we get to kind of relive similar lessons in a different way, and hopefully we carry more um, wisdom. And so part of my work now that I've been working on serious stuff for so many years, almost 25 years, is it's time for me to get back to some of that childlike spirit. So as I'm happy to share, you know, my own personal work that I'm going through, the point is, is that the work is ongoing. And so rather than looking at any of this work as like a destination, uh, look at it as more of an experience, maybe. And I think that that's what uh, parents need to be reminded of at certain points, because I know that it can get heavy. But it is an experience and, you know, and time takes it away so to say. So the more you can bring gratitude into those uh, times of stress, the more that you can find out what the internal lesson is, because once you take care of that internal lesson, uh, the aggravation won't continue through the children or, or through even the spouse or the family members. So, uh, so that's why the internal work is so important and children are so valuable to be our most loving and um, neutral teachers. So looking at the other side of consistency or boundary setting would be disruption. What would be the optimum way for parents to handle something like like maybe a, a move or even like a divorce? Once again, knowing their specific makeup is so useful because some kids are designed to even move or travel better than others and how they fit back into the school system is very different for different makeups, so to say. And so we can give some specific help with that if you want to contact us um, for any of the listeners that are uh, in any similar situation. But just in general, you know, really communicating with the kids to allow them to express how they feel and how they look at it, how they think about it. And the bigger point of that is to give them a voice and to let them know that they are part of the process. But as with any business or as with most families, there has to come somebody that makes the final decision. But I happen to feel that it's important for everyone to feel like they've at least been heard. And part of that teaching is you don't always get what you want, but you do always get to speak your truth. And we will work with that truth any way that we can. Uh, 
And so I think that that's something that's valuable is just making the child at whatever age feel part of the decision making. And, you know, if you are get run into resistance from a child or, or acting out, to find a way to find out what's really bothering that kid, because more than likely it's not whatever they're exemplifying, very similar to pains in the body. Normally where the pain is is not what the issue is. And so, once again, we're bringing in children, we're bringing in the human body, we're bringing in consciousness. It's all connected, and it all reflects each other. So if you've got a pain that comes into the body, we can help you understand what emotion and possibly deficiency or overactivity there is. And same thing if you're having an irritation external through your relationship, whether that be your mate or spouse or your children, there's a message there as well. So basically it's setting an intention that whatever is going on in my environment, my environment is trying to communicate with me. And it is very intelligent, so to say. And my job is to pay attention to my emotional reactions and realize that those reactions keep me from seeing things clearly. And that my opportunity is to, over time, work with disassociating with those emotional reactions to change my reality. And when you change your reality and how you perceive your reality, children adjust. Because they're just looking to follow the leader, so to say, energetically. So this is why people that teach their children in contradiction and and do not do or have not done what they're telling their kids to do, they run into a lot of resistance because they don't carry the vibration. I think one question that could come up in this situation would be how much does the parent divulge to the child? Like how many like how deep do they go? In, in explaining the situation? <clears throat> well, I like to kind of say that to go just above their, just slightly above their grade level, so to say, just slightly above their ability to uh, truly comprehend all of it, to leave a little bit for like incentive to create a need to ask questions. So talking with them on their level, and then just raising it just a tad to add just a little bit to create questions and intrigue um, because that's what's going to help with the processing. And so you're basically teaching stimulation and just a tad bit overstimulation to create intrigue and question, which creates communication, which creates growth. And so the friction is turned into intrigue. So see, that, that excitement is very similar to worry energy, frictional. And we've been told that we will create whatever we focus on. There's some truth in that. So worry energy can be shifted to intrigue and excitement because that's what changes over a period of time as a child. It's intrigue and excitement. And then we get taught um, insurance and planning for the future and blah, blah, blah. And it turn, intrigue turns into worry. So it's a very similar energy, though. It's just being experienced two different ways. In this sort of conversation, because a, a child is rarely into change, um, I, I see a situation that could arise where you know a child could express a lot of anger, or, or even in general outside of this conversation. Just um, if a child isn't happy, uh, they could have an emotional reaction that, that could be anger, and it could result into just yelling and and that could be directed at the parent, mm -hmm. even like swearing. So how should the parent 
redirect that that energy when the child is having some sort of emotional reaction or tantrum? Well, you know, the first step is not reacting, and that's very challenging um, depending on uh, the parent and the personality type. But to understand that the reaction has very little to do with the source of the situation. As I've said many times, an emotional reaction has very little to do with the situation at hand. It is similar situations throughout one's life that has accumulated that this this reaction is connected to. So right away, stopping to focus on what is actually happening in that moment and getting the general view. What is this about? Is it anger? Okay. Maybe that anger is really frustration. Okay. What are they frustrated about? Okay. They didn't make the basketball team. Okay. So here they're yelling at me saying they don't want to eat this food that I fixed, and I, I fixed crappy food, and they walked off from the table. If the focus is on the food, then they miss the message. There's a frustration there. There was a disappointment. So you can do that, attempt to do that through questioning, and ask them, hey, do you want to talk about what this is really about? You can offer them space and say, hey, you know, I really honor that you're uh, somewhere where you may need some space right now. Let's not take this out on each other. So teaching kids to take time to process is very important. You know, many parents will send their kids to the room, but that's it. Just go to your room. Get out of my sight. But there can be a, a, a teaching of, would you mind going to your room and thinking about what's really bothering you? And I'd love to talk to you about that. Can we touch base in an hour or so or 30 minutes? Because normally when a high-energy person in that emotional reaction is able to just go and be alone for a few moments, they'll start to process right away what they did and why they did it. So setting up a consistent environment where the child feels uh, supported to have the release but then have to go process it and be able to communicate it. And that's done separately because... The more the two parties are together when the friction is there, the more likely for the friction to rise. So, see, the separation begins to be taught that this is a good thing. We go to our corners to process, and then we come back together and discuss it consciously and non-emotionally. But that the emotional reaction is not seen as something negative. And then through that education and intelligence, the emotional reactions dissipate. Because there's not a need for it. When people feel supported, they don't have a need to defend. The problem is I see in our culture is we don't take the time to learn how each other feels supported. And that's once again what the, the human design, the cards helps us when working with specific people to help them to understand. Because some people don't even know how to, how to feel supported. Some people don't know how to feel loved. When, when some people are asked, hey, what would make you happy? Do you know what? Not many people have the answer for that. And if they do, it's a very short-lived answer that resolves that. Like some people say a boat, a million dollars, whatever. <laughs> um, so, so most any comment hadn't really been considered. But if a person hasn't really considered what will truly make them happy, then guess what? Nobody or nothing will ever make them happy. One has to just choose to be happy. One has to be in gratitude that they have their children. Because like I said, death has taught me, hey, 
Be happy for that frown upside down. Be happy for that temper tantrum that they just threw. Move through it quickly. Don't attach to it. Because there's always something to be in gratitude for. My home is like my temple, and I want to create a safe place for myself and my furs. Um, and, and, you know, whoever, whoever comes by to enjoy it with me. So in my experience, I had, um, my, my younger sister and her children like several years ago when my nephew was, was pretty small and he was in that space where he'd take tantrums for no reason. And when he couldn't, you know, get what he wanted to, and I would, because it was my space, I would politely ask him to please do that outside. So I remember, I remember walking him out out there and him sitting on the steps where we could see him and just like screaming. But I think it did have a slight impact on him because he didn't really understand why he was outside. Mm-hmm. And I think my sister and my brother-in-law were kind of like perplexed at. They, I think they didn't get it, but they did on some level. Right. So they were just going along with it. But but what is your thought about when somebody has an emotional reaction, asking them to take care of it? in some other place where it's outside uh, where you're trying to create a, a, you know, a safe place for everybody. Yeah, and that, that begins to teach the consistency of uh, that it's okay to have this release, but to manage your environment and be considerate of others. Um, so that's why I say, you know, speak your truth, um, have your emotional reaction or release, but do it in nature, do it uh, away from people. Don't, spill that out on someone go for a walk go for a hike go for a drive um sit in a parking lot somewhere go to a room by yourself um you know i happen to really at my home i have a recording studio that i've done soundproofing in and i think it's really good for people to have a room that they intentionally set up uh i mean i have other intentions because i do have a, a recording studio but believe me, this is where uh, many times if I can't go outside for some reason, this is where I'll come to to have some emotional release. So so everyone should feel like they have the space to do that in and that it's not going to be judged and ridiculed. And uh, that's certainly what I like to nurture with people around me and with many of my clients. They have the emotional release in front of me, but they know that they're not going to be judged. And that's the thing, the healing abilities and this is going to be a continuation of my work but the healing abilities for people to have emotional release in front of someone that knows how to hold space and not get into the emotion with them necessarily but just allow them to do that with no judgment is such a healing force because it's truly what kids go through they just release it and then they're over it and then they're back to being friendly And so I think the more that our culture learns how uh, we need to raise the vibration of these emotions and that they're not bad, they shouldn't be judged, they shouldn't be ridiculed, or they shouldn't be controlled, but merely managed very similar to children. And when you raise your children right, you don't have to babysit them as adults. And when we raise our emotions right, we have to deal with less and less drama, less and less stress, less and less friction. Because you're working on it from the inside out rather than just changing the people in your external. So you can't get away from yourself, so to say. So let's take those um, whys and turn them inside. Make them wise, wise. So let's take this hypothetical situation uh, outside of the home and in public. Like let's say a grocery store and and your child's taking a fit. What's the optimal way of handling that? 
Well, once again, uh, not to react is the first thing. And I think, once again, people are challenged with their time many times. And so all of these are opportunities to practice any time that you can and not beat yourself up too much when you do fail. But in a public situation, you have to be willing to uh, be the example once again remove yourself and possibly that child from the situation and say it's at a restaurant. And if a parent is willing to remove their child from the restaurant, realizing that more than likely the child is reacting from something that is going on with the parents, that's always the very, very, very first thing to consider. But in managing it uh, in that moment, you may need to remove them from the restaurant And then whichever parent is dealing with maybe some aggravation or some frustration or something, they may be the one that removes themselves as well, goes and is with the child in the car that is upset and works on themselves to calm themselves down and prove this theory that as you work through your own stuff, it affects the child. And then they could possibly rejoin the group in the restaurant Or they may have to uh, do some type of alternative to get another type of meal or um, have the rest of the family bring the meal to go. And it's just a lesson of when we don't, when we can't consider other people's feelings and environment, we have to remove ourselves from the environment. So once again, you're not teaching the child that you can't act that way. You can't do that. You shouldn't, blah, blah, blah. That creates all this guilt. It's just, no, this isn't the place. We don't, we don't act like this in public. And by the parent taking responsibility that's carrying the angst, the aggravation or whatever, uh, it gives them an opportunity to you know, work through their stuff and see the results in the child. And um, I hope this isn't sounding too far-fetched because if you will work with it and you will practice to release your aggravation and your frustration and your angers, it will have a beneficial effect on your children. There is a lot of information to go through. I mean, we're not even close to how much I thought we were going to get through, but we are coming up on closing time on this episode. I wanted to ask you, what are any tips that you can give parents for becoming that nurturing uh, authority figure? And when I say authority loosely, but because you kind of need to maintain an authority presence in your home, but, like, you know, what, what tips can you give uh, uh, for fostering that? Right off the top is um, going back to that practice, what you preach. And because kids are so observant. And when they ask why, being willing to answer that, not because I say so or because I'm the parent or because I'm old enough or there's many answers that parents give that don't have any um, valid point because it's just a phrase. It's just uh, something to say. It's impersonal. But, you know, I happen to feel that when you show children that you're willing to explain yourself, then they're willing to explain themselves. If you're always asking them to explain themselves, but when they ask why you want to explain yourself, you're going to get resistance the majority of the time. So leading by example is is one of the the very first keys to how smoothly raising children is going to be. And being honest with yourself that if there's an area that you're concerned about your child, 
that you make sure that you work on that area uh, as soon as possible. So as children are growing up, you can see certain indications going towards certain uh, possibilities. And it might be two or three years off, and it normally gives the parent plenty of time to, hey, change this. You've got a, a child that's got an addictive personality, and you're a, a heavy drinker. So if the parent really cares about that child, they will break that habit of drinking so that this child that has an addictive personality isn't ingrained with that type of consistency. Maybe it is supported in the environment. Change is supported even more around a child that has addictive type personalities. No, we've got to change. We've got to, we've got to change the room around. We've got to move. We've got to do things. So, so you can, when you really love your child and you're willing to alter the environment to really teach them what they need to learn. And this is, when I say what they need to learn is what's in accordance with their specific design, not necessarily what's right for you as the parent. So this does take extra, you know, consideration many times, but work within whatever parameters that you are comfortable in and that you can do consistently. You know, maybe some of my examples are a little bit too extreme, but remember most of the stuff that I developed was on a 30 hour work week with um, me and the boy's mom so that we could have the energy to properly engage with the kids. So, you know, all of these factors have to be taken into consideration, but I do tip my hat to all of you uh, beautiful parents out there and mentors and, um, you know, just mainly make sure that you get adequate rest and adequate food and adequate water. Uh, is just three of the main things. And whenever stress comes your way, do your best not to bring it home. And you have a quote that talks about uh, investing in the child early on or you'll be investing later. Can you bring that up? Yeah, it's that you typically, um, whether somebody wants to call it that there's a karmic tie or there's a biological tie, obviously there's a tie with parents and children. And so you either invest when they're young and you get out of your preferences and you work with the child and you set consistent boundaries and uh, constructive, supportive environment. And that normally means you doing without some of the things you want, like maybe partying or, or going to concerts or something like that. But then when they get into their late teens or early 20s and on into their 30s, they have a foundation and they are normally more self-sufficient and take less of your time then. Those people that choose to continue their lifestyle and see their children as maybe an inconvenience and working their children around their lifestyle normally wind up uh, being involved with their children into the 20s and 30s, whether it's problems with the law legal system or whether it's having to bail them out for money or pregnancy um, to become grandparents early. So I just would like to, to urge everyone to just, you know, take a breath, all you parents out there, um, really give yourself an honest and kind assessment about how much energy you're really putting into the development of your kids. Don't judge yourself and don't carry any guilt, just an assessment. And then see how you can make some adjustments. You realize that they are your um, biggest investment. 
And I can't say enough that they pay dividends because I couldn't be more proud of, of my two boys that I was part of raising and the support that they give me now in this work and everything in my lifestyle. Um, our episode that we had together was just amazing to hear words shared from kids that you raise uh, that are so kind. And that was all through doing what was hard and working with the friction, leaning into the friction and working on my feminine side and and everything that the philosophy was based off of. So you do reap the rewards for what you invest uh, in your children. So keep up the good work, beautiful people. And of course, if you want to hear an interview of Alexander's boys um, talk about their childhood and being immersed in and around Alexander and this type of work, you can listen to our Reflections episode that was put out in mid of 2019. So, of course, we're going to have uh, many more of these episodes to come since we have a lot, a lot of content to discuss around children and overall energetic wellness. But until next time, stay tuned for our three minutes of stillness. Enjoy.
We appreciate your interest in self-growth, conscious communication, and continuing to ask the wise wise. And remember, gradual changes over long periods of time equals lasting results. The Just Philosophy, as discussed in this podcast, has been developed by Alexander over the last 22 years in his private practice, professional environment, and private studies. The information discussed is intended for educational purposes only. It is not meant as a replacement for conventional medicine. Just remember, knowledge plus experience equals wisdom. Seek the wise. As we continue sharing this information, there are also multiple ways to share and support this work. Gain access to our exclusive content, behind-the-scenes footage, and other products that assist you on your self-awareness journey by joining our patron team in exchange for a monetary donation by visiting wise-wise.com slash patron. That is wise-whys.com slash p-a-t-r-e-o-n. Another way of support is by sharing this podcast with receptive individuals or even leaving a review on popular platforms such as iTunes or Facebook helps us introduce this work to others through the listener's words. We are also on most major social networks, so follow us along there or even join our Facebook group community. Continue your journey by visiting Alexander's website where you are able to book private consultations in person, by phone, or even Skype. Know thyself better with human design and destiny card reports and readings as mentioned in this podcast. View a calendar of his live performances and class schedule. Peruse his other products such as shirts, CDs, and the revolutionary VibroTune sound vibrational therapy tables that assist with subtle energy alignments. So grab that keyboard and go to thejustphilosophy.com for those goodies. That's T-H-E-J-U-S-T-P-H-I-L-O-S-O-P-H-Y.com. And if you love the touch of a soft shirt with a message that will warm your heart in resonation, then check out my company, Verity's Apparel, where I am a one-man band doing it all from design to physically printing the garment. It's sealing it all with a conscious touch. Just go to veritiesapparel.com, V-E-R-I-T-E-E-S-A-P-P-A-R-E-L.com. Thank you all for being a part of this journey with us.